Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith, the annoying voice of podcasting, and you're listening to the non-annoying Three Guys in a Flick. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. He punched the highlights out of her hair. He punched the highlights out of her hair? Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from the Chaos Theater on Level 7, my name is Don, and to my right we have our comic book guy, John. How you doing? And to my left we have the professor, Ken. Hi. Hi, buddy. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, Did you have a good week? It, it was It was a full week. It's It's been a busy week. Oh, good. Are you glad it's over? Uh, yeah. Good. Good. I'm. Hey, I'm. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. What the fuck was that? You don't care about my week. I did. You just see me turn my head to ask you how your week went? Okay, let's try that again. Turn my head, listeners, and action. How was your week? Okay. Yeah, just okay. Did you get your naps in? No. Why not? In fact, like I told you earlier, I started back at the gym because uh, I'm trying to get in shape for a big trip I'm going on. And uh, I had this young trainer woman who kicked my ass today. Well, I'm not going to say that I'm surprised, but I will say good for you. I guess it helps that I wasn't in shape at all and haven't been to the gym in like five years. Yeah. Well, just because you went today doesn't mean you are in shape, buddy. Yeah. You, you still got to get there. So you still got to get there. If you hear any groans or grunts, it's from that, not anything else. Right. Right, Professor? Uh-huh. Right. Tonight, we are talking about Scott Pilgrim versus the world. This movie comes to us via our comic book guy. Um, why Scott Pilgrim versus the world? You know, I was actually thinking about that on the drive over. Uh, For me, I think when I first saw this movie, it was so different than anything I had seen before with the way that it combined video games and manga as well as, you know, live action and a lot of metaphors. It, It just was so different and it just spoke to the geek in me. And I think that's one of the reasons why it has become so popular and such a cult hit with fans of this movie is that it just speaks to the nerd and the geek in all of us. Excellent. Uh, Professor, had you seen this prior to us doing this? Uh, yeah. Uh, the wife and I, we saw it in the theater. And your first impressions? It was really different. And I came away thinking, oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing it in the theater, I think. And I really enjoyed this film of top down you know what i mean so compared to back then and now how does it hold up 
Oh, I think this movie holds up 100%. Why wouldn't it? So you're saying you enjoyed just as much as the first time you saw it? Yes. Absolutely. I have to agree with you. Uh, Actually, no. I will say I enjoy it even more. Uh, This is one of those movies that makes me feel happy. This is one of those movies that I can come in at any time and watch it. You know what I mean? It's, It's just one of those movies that made an impact. For me, I think it's a lot of when I first saw it, I was just so excited that a movie that's combining video game elements, it was just so exciting in that regard. Nowadays, you know, in the last few years when I watch it, I start to see the deeper meanings and the metaphors and all that. And it's almost like watching the movie again through fresh eyes that I now can see more into the movie. Sure, absolutely. Released on August 13th, 2010, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World was directed by Edgar Wright. The screenplay by Michael Bacall and Edgar Wright. Based on the graphic novel Scott Pilgrim by Brian Lee O'Malley. And it stars Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Wanstead, Kieran Culkin, Chris Evans, Anna Kendrick, Allison Pill, Brandon Routh, Jason Schwartzman, and a bunch of other actors. How'd this movie do, Don? This movie had a budget of $85 million, and it brought in $49 million. I was surprised by that, that it actually did not do so well. Yeah, this is one of those movies that is definitely word of mouth. It was probably bad marketing, or who knows why it didn't do as well as it should have. But looking back on it now, I mean, I still consider it a fucking awesome movie well it's geared towards an a younger audience as well yeah one of the things i read was you're absolutely right marketing was one of the key issues that they claim for its poor performance the other one was which i never realized the graphic novels that it was based on hadn't finished like the final story by the time the movie came out so word of mouth was still getting around about the graphic novels by the time the movie got out yeah This was directed by Edgar Wright. This is not the first movie we have reviewed here at Three Guys of Edgar Wright's. Uh, What do you think of Edgar Wright as a director, Professor? Oh, I dig him in a really big way. You know, he's awesome what he did for Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Baby Driver. I never saw Last Night in Soho, but I am curious to see that. But yeah, he, he's got a, a definite style to him that I really appreciate. His smash cuts, his, uh, his attention to, uh, you know, his, 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 his wipe shots that he does. And I, I think he's a really fun director. He's also a really successful writer. He wrote a bunch of stuff as well. I didn't know this, but he is also responsible for writing Ant-Man and the Adventures of Tintin. He is a very talented director, and I really appreciate his uh, energy that he brings to his to his productions. Did you know that not only did he get credit for writing Ant-Man, he was actually attached to direct? I did not know that. He left for, ironically enough, creative differences. Hmm. So we could have got a completely different Ant-Man. You can feel the essence of an Edgar Wright dialogue in certain parts of Ant-Man. And hmm. I remember thinking that when I'm like, oh, fuck, you wrote it, right? So... Was this one of his earlier films that he did? Because I read uh, he got a lot of help from other directors on how to make this movie. He hadn't really done, I guess, an FX 
heavy movie before and uh directors like quentin tarantino and kevin smith really he relied on them a lot to help him throughout this movie i know that he showed an early version of it to tarantino and kevin smith and the uh, response was very positive and tarantino gave him some advice about the opening credits and what to do with those this isn't too early Shaun of the dead had already been released that was oh four and then after Sean was Hot Fuzz. 07. Yep. And then he does a uh, a fake trailer in Grindhouse. Did you guys ever see Grindhouse, Tarantino and Rodriguez? I never got around to seeing that. Oh, no. It, it's on the Lodar. Oh, it's so much fun. I do want to see that yeah, one. Keenan and I went to the theater and saw the three-hour cut of it, the double feature. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was a lot of fun. Anyways, after that, he does Scott Pilgrim. And then after Scott Pilgrim, he does The World's End, which ties up the Cornetto trilogy, Shaun the Dead, Hot Fuzz, at World's End. And then one of the professor's favorites. Baby Driver in 17. And it's fucking fantastic. You know what I mean? I really dig this guy as a director. I enjoyed Last Night at Soho. I thought it was different. It was an interesting take on what would be considered a horror film, but it was very well acted and it was shot beautifully. It's Edgar Wright. So I, for one, am a big fan of this guy. Here's a fun fact. Edgar Wright is writing and directing and uh, Michael Bacall is also attached to this. In 2025, we get a remake of The Running Man. The Running Man. Ooh. Which we reviewed here on Three Guys in a Flick. What'd you guys think of the music in this movie? Oh, the music was fantastic. Uh, from the opening song to the ending song, how they used like uh, sound bits from Zelda and they used sound bits from different video games, this, that, and the other. I, I thought it was brilliant. I, I really guess, liked uh, the soundtrack. Beck was heavily involved with yeah. a lot of the music as well, which yeah. I've always been a Beck fan. Uh, let's talk about this cast. Let's talk about this cast. Let's start with uh, Scott Pilgrim himself, Michael Sarah. Are you guys fans of Michael Sarah? Can you take him or leave him? Or do you have you seen him in other things that other than Scott Pilgrim? I was one of those people who missed out on Arrested Development. I only saw it way after it had come out when it was streaming. So I never got the early Michael. Um, so when this movie came out, and since then, I've never really been a big fan of his. I always thought he comes across kind of a whiny little wimpy guy and doesn't seem to do well in at least in my opinion the roles he's put in but when you look at the character that he's supposed to be playing scott pilgrim and the fact that he can actually you know he plays the bass in reality he actually did a really job with that and the martial arts scenes wasn't too bad i didn't think he did half a bad job yeah yeah what about you i have not followed him all that well i saw super bad way back when uh, i never saw juno and Arrested Development, man, I can't remember how long ago I watched that. I didn't connect him being in Arrested Development at all. So he's kind of sort of been off my radar. But I thought that he was, I thought he was pleasant enough in this. Oh, sure. Uh, I, I have seen Superbad and Juno. And to me, Michael Sarah just kind of plays the same character. That, mm -hmm. that was kind of my feeling as well. That And what I remember of him, he kind of sort of seems to, oh, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. Except yeah. for this is the end. He's hilarious. He, he's in it for like 30 seconds, but it, mm -hmm. it's, it's a great bit part. But I agree with you, uh, comic book guy. I think that the character of Scott Pilgrim really plays nicely with the person who Michael Sarah is. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan, but I thought he did very well in this film. The really standouts for me in this movie is um, Kieran Culkin. I really loved his Wallace character. 
I don't know why, but he just makes me laugh every time. And I thought the seven deadly X's, each one of them, I thought did a fantastic and almost stole the show, like really drew the tension away from Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. The X's did a really good job. The one that kind of stands out to me is Ellen Wong, who played Knives. Knives does uh, an amazing I think, job. I think Knives is one of my favorite characters just because of her arc throughout the film and just kind of how she handles the character. Did you know, you know that I mean? in real life she's older than Michael Sarah? Yeah. I yeah. thought that was funny that she's playing three years younger or something like that, four years younger, and she's older than him. Yeah. Well, I, I hate to burst your bubble there, big guy, but that happens in movies all the time Mm -hmm. so professor did you have any characters that stood out to you any actors uh actors per se i I have to say that i was uh perplexed that i did not know that brie larson was envy (laughs) i was very surprised by that and i i stared at her the the entire time i watched the movies like that's brie larson it really doesn't look like her brie that's brie larson Yep, that's Brie Larson. Yeah, and I, kept, I did that every time she was on the screen. It was kind of distracting. So I kind of wish I would have known that was her. The uh, uh, I totally dug Knives. I, I love Kim, mm, you know, the drummer. Kim Pine. Yep. Yeah, she, yep. she was awesome. And uh, I have to say that I, I thought, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, Ramona, she was just kind of sort of, oh, hum for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought she was fascinating. Um, I really like uh, Mary Elizabeth Wanstead. Uh, she plays a badass. You know what I mean. She has she, a, plays, she has a she has a confidence about her that uh, uh, that I really like. She plays the baddest ass. That's right. As Lucy. Yep. Lucy McLean. Yep. Interesting thing is that um, you have her and John. They were cast two years ahead of the movie. They were they were the only two that had signed on, and they and they wanted them for the movie, and they. They uh, wanted to be a part of it, and so they kept their schedule. But they were cast two years ahead of the making of the movie. Who? Mary and who? John John and Mary. You know, Who's Ramona she? and Scott. Michael. My, his name's not John, it's Michael. Oh, I'm thinking of John Cena. For some Bam! reason. I can't think of me. I thought, oh. he, I, thought he was, I thought he was saying John McClane, and oh, I'm like, wait. whoa, dude, we're not on that movie. I wish people could see me do the blam. Yeah, just like him. I should add the Julie, sound effect. It's funny. She's never seen the movie, but she does that all the time. Whenever we're involved in something that like just keeps going on and on, I look over to her and she does that Kim Pine bullet to the head thing. Yeah. Aubrey Plaza. She was fun in this. Aubrey Plaza, I think, is another one of those actresses who kind of plays the same role. Uh, I really, really enjoy her in uh, Parks and Recreation. And uh, I thought she was great in this as well. I read an interesting fact that uh, Brian, who wrote this, uh, the whole Scott Pilgrim graphic novel series, one of the things he did was he gave every cast member 10 secrets about their character to help them get into the roles. And one of the secrets he gave her, which makes me view the movie a lot differently, was she secretly is in love with Scott Pilgrim and always has been since high school. And yeah. that's why she has, I guess, watched him date and break up with all of her friends and it has always broken her heart every time. And that's why she treats him so poorly in this movie. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. I'd love to know the other secret facts of what the other characters had. Yeah, I'm sure you would. What did you guys think of Jason Schwartzman as Gideon? 
I thought he did an okay job as the bad guy. I can see a lot of other actors in that role who might have done better. But he, for what he was given, I thought he did a pretty good job. What about you, Professor? Who do you, uh, what did you think of Jason Schwartzman as Gideon? Average. Average? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought he fit with what was going on. His over-the-topness and just Jason Schwartzman-ness, uh, I thought carried well. Uh, I, I was rooting against the guy. So, you know, he, he did his job. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did you get kind of the uh, the anime manga kind of sense to this movie that they were really going for, like it being a graphic novel? Yeah, yeah, I saw that, and then uh, once it turns to video game style, there were elements in those sequences that made me think of the manga as well. Well, I guess one thing that Edgar told all the actors during their filming during the scenes, they were not to blink because he wanted it to be like reading a graphic novel. I think uh, the drummer, Kim, I think she only blinks once in this movie. In the entire movie. She's the only character that blinks during their scene. Yeah. Interesting. The director of photography, Bill Pope, he, he is a very seasoned uh, cameraman. And I was surprised at all of the different projects that he has done that I had no idea that he was a part of. He was a director of photography for Army of Darkness, Clueless, all the Matrix movies, uh, Team America, Spider-Man 2, Men in Black, The World's End, Baby Driver, Shang-Chi, Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania. Wow. Yeah, he's had a ton of experience, and I thought that, that he showed a lot of style in this movie. Oh, I agree. This film has a style all its own, and uh, it's fun. It was fun then, and it's fun now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you hear how Edgar Wright pitched this film? No, how did he pitch it? He pitched it as John Hughes meets Kill Bill. <laughs> I think that kind of that kind of fits. That yeah, that does kind of sum it up. Absolutely. Uh, one of the other funny things I read about this movie, they didn't have time to film it, so it's not actually out there. But Edgar Wright kind of wanted to film a prank either to the fans or the producers or something that he wanted the movie to end with Scott Pilgrim being a serial killer. And secretly having killed all the seven deadly exes. Huh. I thought that would have been interesting. But they never, they guess ran out of time or ran out of money and never got around to filming it. Yeah. I mean, why ruin a great thing? So I think it is about that time. It's trivia time. Each episode, I like to come up with some trivia to see which one between Don and the professor is our local movie expert. So let's start with some Scott Pilgrim trivia. You ready? Yup. In order, what colors... Oh, and I should say, it's whoever gets the answer first correctly that is our winner of that point. In order, what colors does Ramona's hair color change? Green, blue, pink. No, it's pink, blue, green. He is correct. Damn it. It goes to the professor. I guess I never realized this, but the hair colors respond to the colors of the three goddesses from Legend of Zelda. It's a game I never really played, but I guess pink, blue, and green are the goddesses' colors. Oh, there you go. Where did Scott and Knives meet? On the bus. Yeah. Point goes to Don. Yeah, it's on the bus. Yeah. (laughs) Because I love when Ramona goes... That's the story. (laughs) 
Who punched a hole in the moon for Ramona? Todd. Point goes to Don. Now, did you notice throughout the movie? There's a hole in the moon. Every, every time, time they, they show shot, the moon, yeah. you can see the hole in yeah, the moon. I saw that. I saw that like the second time I watched it. And there's so many things that you can pick up on. Speaking of Todd, what are the three strikes that Todd commits that cost him his vegan powers? He has, oh my gosh. Chicken Parmesan. Yeah, that, that was the second one. That was the third one. Chicken's, no, not, chicken's no, not vegan? <laughs> no, it wasn't the third one. It's the third one that they listed. But I thought his third strike was drinking the half and half. It well, was. when they go in order of listing them, you're right. The half Who's and they? half is the vegan police. No, it's the second one because the first one is. You're right. The half and half technically is the third strike. Milk and eggs, bitch. Oh, yep. gelato. Uh, it, it, it was the gelato. And, uh, well, we said them. Yeah. Gelato, half. chicken parm. Mm-hmm. And half and half. So yeah, half. that'll go both to both of you. What does Scott cook for Ramona on their first meal at home? A, a garlic bread? Garlic bread goes to the professor. What is the name of the second sword that Scott pulls from his chest? Uh, self-respect. Well, the sword of self-respect, but I'll give that one to you. But that's right. How can you not? Because I didn't say the sword of? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's just silly. What is Gideon's nickname throughout the movie? G-Man. G-Man. Very good. A gig is a gig is a gig is a gig is a gig. Now, here's the final question. How much was Gideon worth when he defeated when he was defeated? Seven million. Seven thousand the first time, then seven million the second time. Yeah. Was seven billion, actually. There were nine zeros. Well, there were a lot of zeros. I didn't count them all. So I'm gonna go ahead and say that. It counts. <laughs> well, the big thing is worth seven because he was the seven deadly acts. Did you catch every when he number? His sword. Yeah. It had seven power or seven level power, yeah. and yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Well, when we get into it, there were clues for all of them. Yeah, all so, of them yeah, had yeah. wore their numbers or their numbers was on the trailer. Everything. Yeah. So, did you guys catch? I mean, I, I brought it before, but the symbolism and the metaphors and allegories in this movie. Did you catch? Like the deep, deeper meanings of each of the seven deadly X's? As far as them being the seven deadly sins? Yeah, did you did you catch that? I thought that was an interesting... It wasn't until... I, I was watching it, I think it was on Netflix. It was a while ago, but then um, Envy. Envy always struck me as, why is her name Envy, mm-hmm. right? And so, and then I started thinking about it, and it makes sense. You know what I mean? Uh, Todd clearly could be gluttony. Well, the, it's the vegan and well, the way it lists out is Roxy's definitely lust. Matthew, right? Matthew Patel is wrath. Lucas Lee represents pride. Uh, Natalie Envy Adams represents envy. Todd represents gluttony. Roxy represents lust. Gideon represents greed, and Scott himself represents sloth. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And the other thing I thought was interesting I read was that the movie, the basis of the whole movie was an allegory to the fact that Scott just felt that he wasn't worthy of Ramona. In Toronto, 22-year-old Scott Pilgrim is a basis for his unsuccessful indie garage band, Sex Bombs. He is dating Knives Chow, a 17-year-old high school student. Much to the disapproval of his friends in the band, his roommate Wallace Wells, and his younger sister Stacy Pilgrim. Scott meets an American Amazon delivery girl, Ramona Flowers, after having seen her in a dream. 
He loses interest in Knives, but does not break up with her before pursuing Ramona. When Sex Bomb plays in a battle of the band sponsored by record executive Gideon Graves, Scott is attacked by Ramona's ex-boyfriend, Matthew Patel. Scott defeats Patel and learns that in order to date Ramona, he must defeat all remaining six evil exes. What do you think of this uh, opening? Uh, the opening was fine. You get, uh, some brief text and you get a narrator, which is Bill Hader. And immediately, uh, it tells us that Scott Pilgrim is dating a high school. And then we get introduced to Scott and he is having a conversation with his roommates. He's telling them that, you know, he's dating a 17 year old. So right off the bat, we see that this 22 year old is dating a 17 year old. And so I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head, Eh, is this guy really a good guy? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Well, I guess apparently, again, with the symbolism and all that, knives is supposed to represent Scott's emotional immaturity. Sure. Yeah, and, we can, and I we can kind of see, see that. Because you, you notice that when he was with her, the way that he talked to her, it was very toned down for, probably from his age level. Yeah, probably. And then so then we meet knives, and she shows up, and she gets to watch... The band rehearse. Right. Um, but in the meantime, uh, this is where we get introduced, right? And uh, Stephen uh, <laughs> doesn't so much care that she's 17. He cares more if he if Knives is going to geek out over the yeah, band. Because I really want her to geek out. Right. <laughs> oh, she can geek. <laughs> did, you see how, did you see how Scott takes her jacket? He, oh, here, let me take your jacket. And and she's introduced to Kim at the same time. He takes her jacket and he immediately just drops it on the floor right in front of the door. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. And that's Kim. Oh, what's your name? Kim. And then so uh, they start playing and this is where we get the title sequence. And I thought from this moment, uh, I'm in, right? Because the the animation that was going on with it and how you stretch the room and it's giving us all these title sequences and then as the titles are coming up each one of the actors title has a reference to their character so it's basically giving us an introduction to who they are you know i, I thought this was a great opening uh you mentioned it earlier about uh, quentin tarantino helping edgar wright with the opening in fact it was his idea for the stretching of the room originally they were just going to do title cards to do the opening. Right. And it was, it was nice that, uh, I mean, it kind of feels that opening, that style. I don't know. It kind of gave me that kill bill kind of the stretching of the room kind of gave me a kind of vibe like that. Huh, interesting. Right after this, we meet Wallace and we get the layout of their little tiny uh, uh, hole in the wall apartment. I think Wallace is one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. as well. He is so funny. And he is he's, hilarious. And he's kind of uh, Scott's conscience. You know what I mean? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, I can see that. You know, and before I knew the actor that played him, I was like, God, he looks so familiar. I did not realize that he was Macaulay Culkin's little brother and yeah. who was also in the Home Alone movies. Yeah. Uh, and one of the first instances we get of who Wallace is, is is when Scott says, don't tell my sister. And he's immediately on the phone with her. And then we get introduced to Scott's sister, Anna Kendrick. And she's already on the phone with him going, what do you mean you're dating a 17 year old? You know what I mean? And then that whole bit, what I really enjoyed about this film is the transitions 
uh, how we go from one character to the next or from one situation to the next. It is so seamless. Mm -hmm. And even though we get the transitions coming up here where uh, Scott sees Ramona traveling through her his, the highway. The mindscape or whatever it is. Even though it might not make any sense, the transition is ju it, it's just fluid. And I, and I really dug that about that. Mm -hmm. um, but before that, we get the, the daily routine of Scott and Knives. You know what I mean? And this is where you can see that kind of immaturity level in Scott just with the whole way that that day's going. You know what I mean? And then they end up uh, playing that video game and it says something about continue. And this is going to go on and become a bit throughout the movie, this continue thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we get, we get their day in a nutshell. We also get to meet julie during this time when they go into the record store together thanks julie i love how they introduce her there you know julie has issues yeah yeah everybody has their own title right uh wallace's rating was seven seven point five out of ten which he should have a 10 out of 10 uh but you know and scott's was just awesome so everyone has mm -hmm. has titles and then Scott has a hallucination, and we are also briefly introduced to the idea of Ramona. And we had said, what was it called? The by highway or by sub by highway? I don't know. something like her like mind, that. his mindscape, basically. Right, and, and she reveals later that that's how she travels so fast to different places. Right, right, and it just so happens that she crosses through Scott Pilgrim's mind. Yep, and then all of a sudden, he loses track of time. You only played one note. Is your girlfriend distracting you? I'll be quieter. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and then uh, these transitions, right? Now we're in the Bam. library. Yeah. And he's carrying the books. And lo and behold, at the counter, there's Ramona. You know what I mean? And this, this bit is good because it really kind of captures how mesmerized he is with her. And at the same time, is he dreaming? Right, because if this is the girl of your dreams, I mean, how many people have ever thought that? So, hey, Cuomo, do you know this girl? And he holds up that squiggly circle. Oh, you mean Ramona Flowers? So, uh, so good. Originally, they were going to have a picture that was drawn like from the graphic novel that he was going to hold up. Uh -huh. But they thought it'd be even funnier if it was just a squiggle. Oh, and it and it completely pays off. So Scott and Knives go back to the apartment or whatever, and they're talking about Julie's party. And then I like this bit because, again, with the transitions, uh, they're walking to the party, and Scott's like, this is going to suck. And it cuts to them in the party, and he immediately goes, this sucks. And it's just, it's just so fluid. And there's so many times that this happens throughout the movie that not only is it the editing, but it's the dialogue. And when you put it all together, it's just, it's like magic. I have to ask you guys a question. Uh, hitting on a girl, did you ever fail as badly as Scott did when he first tried to talk to Ramona? Oh, I've felt that a, a thousand times. Yeah, as I say, I think I am that guy who goes up and I've always been famous for saying, like, I want to say one thing, but then the stupidest thing comes out of my mouth and I just fail miserably. Now, luckily, some women have thought that was cute. Other times, not so much. Uh, yeah, well, um, <laughs> shit, I don't even remember. So there you go. I love the, uh, the the series of quick cuts that happens after he, he leaves her side. And the stalking? Then, yeah. And then he stalked her 
until she left the party. Yeah. Yeah. You get the title cards. Right. Um, and just though, and just all the, the dialogue, right? He wants to know everything about her. So he goes asking all these people. And then when he gets to Julie, you know, he, she's like, I forbid you to date Ramona Flowers. Mm-hmm. And I like the one dude who goes, She's got battle scars, bro. <laughs> and then he's back at home and and you have Wallace throw the car keys at him and he and then he crashes onto the pillow and he's immediately he's immediately passed out but then immediately after that stacy calls it's like how can you have two girlfriends all oh, right how you oh you're uh why you're thinking about juggling two girls yeah, yeah. And, and he looks over and he's fast asleep but the phone's out it's how do you do that yeah is this right after this where he gets the email from matthew uh, almost because uh, when he wakes up the next morning, he logs on because he's going to order something from Amazon. That's right, because she's an Amazon delivery person. Right. He says, uh, hey, Wallace, what's the uh, web address to Amazon.ca? Amazon.ca? <laughs> and then the whole getting the letter from Patel. So good. Yeah, I love how he's just like, he's trying to read it in his every other word. Or what's he say? I got mail. That's so cool. I've got mail. Yeah. Like he's never gotten yeah. mail before or yeah, email before. Yeah. So bored. And then uh, I like how Wallace goes, you don't think that you just ordered it and it's the weekend. You don't think because you don't think she's going to show up because Scott's sitting in front of the fucking door. You're like a little puppy. Yep. And then the doorbell rings and he says, you were saying, mm. but it turns out it's knives. Mm-hmm. Yes, because uh, he says uh, Amazon doesn't deliver till Monday. Right. Was it Friday or Saturday? Right, the weekend. And then there's a series of wipe cuts that happen after this. I just, man, it just happens continually throughout the movie. All of, all of his his stylish editing that he does in this. And this is the bit where we go through the motions with Scott and Knives again. However, this time he's distracted. Scott is losing interest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and that goes on until uh, he gets his package and Ramona delivers his package and he kind of, you know, wants to ask her out and this whole bit. I guess in this scene uh, where he throws the package over his shoulder into the garbage, that took 33 takes. Yeah. And it was practical because Edgar Wright said that in a movie with this much CG, it's nice to have this practical scene to make it, you know, feel real. So uh, Ramona agrees to go out with Scott, and well, the, I love how basically he he blackmailed her. He said he wouldn't sign for the package unless she agreed to go out with him. Well, not in so many words. He yeah. said, uh, if, "No, if, she said if you sign for this, I'll go out with you." Uh-huh. Or, yeah, but and then uh, we again with the transitions, we're on their date, and now we get to know a little bit about Ramona where she comes from and uh, Scott is absolutely enamored with her and they, it ends up with them at Ramona's apartment. I guess she memorized all of those teas. They were going to uh, write down the list of teas for her to read, but she memorized all the names of those teas. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a song playing during this bit. It's called by your side. Uh, it's actually uh, a song by Sade. Yeah, but this is a cover of it. And I remember the first time seeing this movie when this song, and that's, I love Sade, right? But when I remember seeing this movie, when the song came on, if I hadn't already been hooked and in love with this movie, I am now. 
fucking for sure. And just this whole sequence uh, about them uh, getting to know each other and them moving forward or whatnot. And it, it's just a, it, it's a good scene. It's well-written. It doesn't take anything too far. It, it just, it's just a really good scene. I really like this scene. I especially like the scene uh, where he kind of is wandering around. He wanders into her bedroom while she's changing her shirt. She's like, I'm changing. And she goes, he closes his eyes real quick. And the next thing that happens when he opens up his eyes, she's face to face with him. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a cute scene. I also liked it was very a different take in the movie. You know, I've said it before. I like when they kind of empower the woman in the movie, when they empower the female characters where they're lying in bed and she says, I've changed my mind. I'm not sleeping with you tonight, but I reserve the right to change my mind later. Yeah, it just kind of it was refreshing that she kind of had the power. And, and then he was like, OK, well, what, what what do you think he would have said? You know, in some typical movies, they would have had the guy say something suave or something snarky right back at her. And no, he just like was okay. Yeah. Well, I guess my point is most anybody in that situation normally would just say, okay. I mean, there's still the potential. There's always the jerk who gets up and then walks out. I don't know what movies you're watching. (laughs) I don't know what beds you've been in. And so the next morning they leave and he asks Ramona to come to battle of the bands and she says yes. I in this bit, I like when she skates away. Do you notice all the ice that's melting? Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that was a nice little touch. You know, all the snow in the movie, yeah, are artificial. There was no snow. It oh. was cold, but there was no snow. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. We get to Battle of the Bands, and oh yeah, and we have we have Ramona and Knives meet each other. Yeah, yes. uh, Knives jumps up and kisses Scott and. Uh, Ramona's like, oh, okay. <clears throat> and then I love how uh, Scott freaks out, right? So he leaves. And uh, it's up to Stacy to introduce everybody or to ask questions. And I like the bit when they're on the on the balcony and they talk about where her and, uh, where Scott and Knives met. And uh, <laughs> she says, we met on the bus. And then she stops. That you, Are you seriously telling me that's the story? <laughs> I thought that's a cute bit. And then Scott notices that uh, knives and Ramona are about to have a conversation. And then, you know, there's that, that little transition, if you will. And Scott's head becomes real big and he's like, Oh no, this is a nightmare. And Steven's already freaking out, right. To go on. Cause the other band is being awesome. That's right. And they have a female drummer. Did you notice that every band had a female drummer? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, what was their names? Crash and the boys something like that yeah and uh when they go on wallace is heckling them i thought that was a lot of fun so anyway scott comes down smacks uh steven and they go on we have to play now and they start with their song and it's a catchy tune i i enjoyed it i was tapping my foot and i like the look that ramona gives scott or the band during this uh moment she's impressed yeah he can actually play yeah yeah and so during this, then knives uh, passes out. I was seven seconds into the song. <laughs> I guess the actress who played knives actually made the homemade shirt that she was wearing, the sex bomb uh, shirt. That's awesome. And then the first of the evil exes shows up. What'd you guys think of this whole bit? I thought he was fun. And I, I was surprised at, how uh, quickly he was dispatched of. I like the bit when he goes, why are you dressed like a pirate? Pirates and then, and then uh, Scott, 
yeah, well, are you supposed to be a pirate? Scott's reactions to this whole bit, it, it just makes me laugh. So Patel comes flying in, and my fa- one of my favorite bits in this entire movie is as he's flying toward Scott, Scott's all, what do I do? And then Wallace's, fight, fight. And then the movie completely fucking takes a turn and we are into a fucking video game style movie. Street Fighter. Street Fighter, where Scott is a fucking black belt. Mm -hmm. Fucking worked for me, dude. And uh, I like their interaction too. When it's like, well, you got my email, didn't you? Yeah. I skimmed it. (laughs) And then everyone's like, oh. (laughs) And then uh, he looks at Ramona and goes, you dated this guy? And then Ramona tells the story, and I like how she does this throughout you know, most of the exes. Well, this is where we get the uh, the the animated kind of retelling of the story that looks similar to the graphic novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we come to find out that they were the only two non, or he was the only non-white kid in town, and they hung out and they only kissed once, and then uh, she couldn't resist his mystical powers, and he goes, "Wait, mystical powers?" And then they have the zombie girls. The well, zombie the, the vampire, girls. the demon girls come up. What you guys has, think of that? He's got the fireball power. Yeah. It was, I had to chuckle. I yeah. had to chuckle. I thought that was pretty funny. But the interesting thing about this fight is, did you notice that this is the only fight that Scott wins on his own? Yeah. yeah. Every is, other fight, he has someone involved or someone helps him win. Yeah. Yeah. This is the only one he wins mano y mano. Yeah. And he does it quite convincingly. Mm-hmm. K.O. Sweet. Coins. And I love the fact that he picks up the coins and it's like, it's almost enough bus fare to get home. And Ramona gives him the extra like 30 cents. Yeah. And then uh, we're on the bus and Ramona is kind of breaking down uh, what's going to happen. He goes, if we're going to date, you have to defeat my seven evil exes. We're dating? Yeah. And then he's all, you have uh, seven evil ex-boyfriends? And she's very adamant about saying exes. And the payoff is later. Uh, but my my what I found funny about this bit is after she says we're dating and she says, yeah, he goes, does that mean we can make out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so uh, next morning he comes home and we got the Seinfeld theme going on. And this is where Wallace gives uh, Scott the ultimatum. Mm-hmm. You either tell Ramona about knives or I will. Or didn't he, I thought he thought the thing was you need to break up with knives. Oh, that's what. Or yeah, I'm yeah. going to tell. Yeah, that's yes, what it was. Ramona about mm-hmm. knives, or yeah. telling knives about Ramona. It was one of those. Yeah. No, it was. It was. Uh, he had to break up with her for yeah. sure. And then he goes, "No, it's so hard." Um, but we cut to the record store, and now, and poor knives. I think knives gets treated the worst out of anybody in this film. Well, it's the fact that she gets treated the worst. Yet she still kind of has Scott's back throughout the whole movie. Oh, well, that's that's why I think she's one of my favorite characters. And I really enjoy her arc is because how it ends up. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, she's, you know, Scott's breaking up with her. After she says, come meet my parents. Yeah. And I love you. Yeah. And then do you notice? I and it's just the subtle things, right? It's the I love you in the smoke. And then Scott dodges to get out of the way. You know, because mm-hmm. inside, that's what he's thinking. But Edgar Wright is visually showing us, um, even though there might not be real pink smoke in the air. But he breaks up with knives, and he gets on the bus, and he starts thinking about Ramona. Scott finally breaks up with knives, who blames Ramona and swears to win him back. 
Meanwhile, Scott proceeds to get attacked by and defeats the next three of Ramona's exes. Hollywood actor and skateboarder Lucas Lee, super-powered vegan Todd Ingram, and lesbian ninja Roxy Richter, while also confronting his own ex, pop star Envy Adams. However, Scott grows frustrated during the process, and after an outburst regarding Ramona's dating history, she breaks up with him. So yeah, they are dating, and Ramona goes back to their place and has French bread. Garlic. Garlic bread. And Wallace even says, you know, you'll be out of here in an hour, or this won't last an hour. If you need me, I'll be down watching Lucas Lee, who is Chris Evans. And so naturally, when the hour hits... She also has blue hair, which totally freaks Scott out. Yes, he doesn't like the spontaneity of Ramona. Plus, she's also too cool for him. Oh, well, I think most everybody's too cool for Scott, but that's just me. So they go down to where Lucas Lee is filming, and I thought this was such a great parody of just the whole Hollywood culture. You know, you have the number uh, two on the trailer, and there's twos throughout everything because Chris Evans' character is number two. But when he gets out and he rides a skateboard to where he's going to film, you hear the universal theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I noticed I, that. It's so good. And when he lands and jumps, the timing is so perfect because the director is going, and and then he uh, Lucas Lee jumps, hits his mark, and goes, action. <laughs> so good. Mm-hmm. So we find out that Ramona used to date Lucas, and now we have to have this fight. Uh, what did you guys think of this fight? I, I just loved everything about it. I especially liked when, uh, after I think, was it the first time he knocks Scott up in the air and Scott flies away, and he comes over to Ramona. Uh, I think it's Wallace that says, I'm a big fan. He goes, oh, you know, why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you be? <laughs> Yes. Which I guess is based off a real story that happened to Edgar Wright at a concert one time. He said to somebody, I'm a big fan. And they said, well, why wouldn't you be? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's when uh, after Scott defeats all the stuntmen, which I thought was a brilliant touch, and who ironically are, in fact, Chris Evans's actual stunt team uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he beats all of them, and then he says, uh, Mr. Lee, you're wanted back on set. And so they have their fighting and uh it's also funny because this happens in all the fights that reality is suspended and everybody's just kind of sort of standing around or you know like like it's completely normal and the only one that seems to be in on it besides our main characters as well as when he yells out scott evil x fight right yeah it could because in the first one everyone's kind of like what the fuck is going on but now we're at the point where we accept it, especially Wallace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Scott, obvious, I guess, obviously couldn't, can't physically beat him. So he has to outwit him and mm-hmm. he uses his ego against him. And he says, can you do one of those grindy thingies? And then Lucas Lee's like, Psh. and so uh, Lucas Lee takes the bait, jumps on the rails. And this is how he is dispatched and i love the bit where when he does blow up you see the two thousand coins go up yep you know with the the video game chime i always thought that was a nice touch one of the my favorite parts of this scene is again when scott gets knocked away the first time and and lucas lee comes over to talk to ramona it's like one of his first things he says was well he seems nice (laughs) hey what's up 
He seems nice. <laughs> or when Lucas Lee goes, wait, you don't know about the evil exes? And Scott's like, no. And he goes, oh, oh man, okay, well, let's let's get a beer, right? And then he hits him, and Scott's reaction, you are a good actor. <laughs> Envy ends up calling Scott now. And so this is our first introduction to Envy. Yeah, because Ramona goes on the lam for a bit. He can't get a hold of her, and he's all depressed, and he thinks that uh, Ramona's calling, but it turns out that it's Envy. And this is right after Wallace told him, you got to move out. So things are kind of things are starting to fall down here on Scott. You mentioned earlier that you weren't sure why or how Envy got her name. Uh, did you catch the reason why she's called Envy besides the whole seven deadly sins thing? Because no one wanted to call her Natalie anymore? Because her middle name is Victoria or something like that. So her middle, her first two initials are N-V. So that's where N-V comes from. Oh, I didn't know that. Did you catch the fact that they did uh, comic book style alliterations for all the seven deadly exes? What do you mean? Rock D- Roxy Richter... Lucas Lee, kind of like Peter Parker, Clark Kent. Oh, sure. They went for the same kind of double-letter alliterations. Oh, sure. Immediately after Envy calls, Knives calls. Is Scott here? (laughs) And then he jumps out the window? (laughs) He's in the doorway, and then he's out of the doorway. And then, oh, you know what? He just left. And then uh, Scott reaches back in to grab the coat, and Wallace moves his head to block the view. So good. We are immediately introduced to Roxy Richter and in the alleyway uh, uh uh-huh and she decides to back off because Scott he just doesn't want to do this he's just just having a a bad day I guess you can just not fight when you don't feel like it I guess well I I like how she's zooming over his head and he punches up is like you punched me in the boob yeah so she gets all pissed off and then she leaves and Scott's kind of confused doesn't really know what's going on at this moment. So Ramona and uh, Scott meet at the coffee shop uh, by coincidence. And Scott's like, what the fuck, dude? You just kind of disappeared. And she's like, well, if you don't want to hang out with me, I get it. And before Scott can answer, he's taken back because there was a poster of Envy. But the real Envy is standing in front of it and walks to him. And I like what she says. She says, okay, I'm jealous. <laughs> We get that. We get a little bit as well. I don't remember what the conversation was, but Scott suddenly he's startled awake, huh? And he sits up, and then you have uh, oh Wallace and Scott, the, yeah, and, and, then, and then there's four of them in the bed, yeah. Uh, what? Oh, they couldn't believe that he didn't uh, sleep with Ramona, and he goes, right. he goes, I had my ex on the brain or whatever, and it comes to find out that Envy's band is doing a show in town, and she wants Scott's band to open for him, you know, and uh, Stephen uh, is like, dude, a gig is a gig is a gig, right? And so he wants to do it, and Scott's all torn up about it, and then Ramona's like, well, you should do the grown-up thing and just go do the show right but in the meantime uh scott tells ramona about envy and how it went down and that how she left him for a guy named todd and then just in conversation ramona goes i used to date a todd then we get to the show they do the gig and uh and then clash of the demon head goes on and i and this is one of those bits again with the dialogue and the cutting is uh as brandon routh is playing the bass um scott goes that's todd and she goes and uh 
Ramona's Ramona goes, yeah, I know. And then at that same bit, Envy's starting to sing with the oh yeahs. And then he goes, did you date him or something? Or, or it comes out to be, you know, I dated him. And then instead of the oh yeahs, Scott's like, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> it's just so good. And then the song's really fucking catchy too. And I really I, dig that fucking song. What I also dig about it is that Brie Larson did the actual singing for that. Yeah, yeah that was cool. Also, we have Knives showing up with her half-blue hair. Yeah, because she is determined to win Scott back by seducing young Neil. And so uh, they do the show, and then Envy has requested the presence of everybody backstage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the dialogue goes back and forth, and Knives figures out, because she's just absolutely in love with Envy. Right. Yeah. She just worships her and everything. And so she figures out, she goes, I kissed the lips that kissed you or whatever. And Envy looks at Todd and Todd stands up and just knocks the shit out of her. Mm-hmm. Punches the highlights out of her hair. And Scott can't take it anymore. Right. He, he attacks Todd and this will ultimately come down to be Scott's toughest fight. This is definitely his toughest opponent. He's getting you know. his butt kicked. Yeah, because uh, Todd is vegan, and vegan are better than normal people. Better than everybody. Yeah, and I like the explanation that they give. You know, he says, "You know how you only use ten percent of your brain? Well, ninety percent of blah 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 blah." And it kind of makes sense in a weird way. Um, I love what they did with his hair and his eyes. Yeah, they did good. It just did. Really empowering. I thought it was kind of a, a nice effect. Yeah. And then I like how uh, he hits Scott all the way up into the air. And the hits that this guy takes. I mean, how many times have we said, how does he get thrown across the room, bounce yeah. off the wall, and then get right back up? Well, this is the epitome of that, right? Because mm-hmm. he gets flung all the way up. And I like what he says to Ramona. Uh, if I peed my pants, can we just pretend that it was the rain? And she's like, it's not raining. <laughs> And then he goes, well, why did you date this guy? And she goes, is this really important right now? And he's like, if there's something in his backstory that leads to an advantage, then yes. You know, so again, she tells the story. And then um, Scott continues to get his ass kicked and then decides to uh, challenge him to a battle of the base. I really like this scene, too. This, I thought this scene was fun. I, I thought I it, was, too. It, it was a really fun going back and forth. And you could see, you know, Todd was better than him. Right, right, right. And so... Scott has to outwit him again. And the whole bit about drinking the half and half and then Thomas Jane and that other dude show up as the vegan police. I thought that was pretty yeah. good. I really thought hard about putting it in this cup. Right. Gelato's not vegan. It's milk and eggs, bitch. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, you also had chicken parmesan. Chicken's not vegan? Yeah, that's so good. And then Todd gets destroyed with a headbutt. And we see the 3,000 coin mark go up and Ramona and Scott leave. Well, doesn't Envy say something like, you just headbutted my my boyfriend into oblivion or something along those lines? And he said, yeah, but you, I guess that makes us even for you kicking my heart in the ass or something yeah. like that. But he also says something about you could do better or he does something that kind of you can see in her eyes that she realizes that she wants more. Well, he called her Natalie or Nat oh. and she says nobody calls me that anymore and he says well that's too bad maybe they should and so they go to this after party sex bomb and scott and ramona and this is where we encounter roxy richter 
And what did you guys think of this fight? I thought it was fun. I I thought that uh, she was a badass gal. Well, right before that, there's another key point of symbolism in this movie. Did you catch Scott's shirt at the after party? No. It was a Fantastic Four t-shirt, which obviously four represents he's about to come up against the fourth X. But it also had a one half on it which actually was a famous logo for the Fantastic Four when they started adding in the children and all that. Um, but Edgar Wright said that the half symbol on the, um, on the Fantastic Four shirt was to represent that Scott's frustration with Ramona and her exes and that he is starting to become possibly one of her future evil exes. Yeah, interesting. So Roxy shows up and Scott doesn't want to fight her. Well, I love how when he first, like, he doesn't understand how is she here when he's supposed to fight the, her male exes. And well, you had a sexy phase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just a little bi curious. Well, I'm a little bi furious. I like the other thing that she uh, insults, uh, Ramona with where she calls her hasbian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What'd you think of the hammer? I thought it was fun. I thought the whole bit was fun. I ho- I uh, I like the fact that Ram- uh, Ramona steps up and she's going to fight the fight, but you know, per the rules, Scott, Scott has to be the one to defeat her. So, so she uses Scott like a puppet. And I thought that choreography was really great. And you know, as Scott is about to lose, touch uh, the back of her knee, it gets her her weak point, and then she shudders and bursts into. 4,000 coins. 4,000 coins. Mm-hmm. So, and so it's at this point now, you know, Scott's had enough, you know, and he's at the bar drinking and the dialogue goes back and forth and he basically um, gets really mad at Ramona and they break up. I like the poster that they were looking at outside, you know, where it, it says two bands enter, one band leaves. And yeah. they talk about, look at all those exclamation points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the next Battle of the Bands, Sex Babam defeats Ramona's fifth and sixth evil exes, twins Kyle and Ken Katanagi, earning Scott an extra life. Despite this, Ramona appears to get back with her seventh evil ex, Gideon. Sex Babam accepts Gideon's record deal, except for Scott, who quits the band in protest. Gideon invites Scott to his venue, the Chaos Theater, where Sex Babam is playing. Resolving to win Ramona back, Scott challenges Gideon to a fight for her affection, earning the power of love sword. Knives interrupts the battle, attacking Ramona, and Scott is forced to reveal that he cheated on both of them. Gideon kills Scott, and Ramona visits him in limbo to reveal that Gideon has implanted her with a mind-control device. So what do you think of this fifth fight? I thought it was fun. I thought the the idea of it was different than what we had gotten earlier. We had gotten fist fights and we had gotten, you know, fights to the death kind of a thing. And in this one, it was the actual battle of the bands, literally. And uh, the the twins summoned some dragons well, and sex mom summoned God, uh, King Kong. Well, I guess what it was supposed to be was... They summoned one of Godzilla's enemy, King, uh, I can't remember the last part of it, but so they summoned the Godzilla villain, you know, and as you mentioned, Sex Babam summons King Kong, so it was an East versus West fight. Sure, sure. I like that when, as soon as uh, the twins start playing, they blow the roof off the place, and everyone's like, they literally blew the roof off. 
What did you think of this duel? I thought it went pretty fast. You know, the Katayanagi twins, I didn't think that they would be dispatched so fast, but I was okay with it because that's a lot to go through in a movie, right? Seven seven battles. Yeah, and so I was kind of glad that they doubled up on this one. Me too. You know what I mean? Because this movie comes in at an hour and 52 minutes or whatever, and even though it's very well paced, some of the bits kind of seem a bit long, and I think this might be one of them. Um, this and kind of what follows uh, after Sex Bomb wins, Gideon's like, you guys are awesome. I'm going to sign you guys. Right. We also get to see that Gideon is in the audience with a now green-haired Ramona. Yeah. Did you catch that at this point in the movie was the most important reference that they make of all the references in the movie? Which is? Which is when we see Gideon... With Ramona, they flash real quick to a green ring that he's wearing. And what music plays? What sound effect plays right then and there? Something from Zelda? Something from Flash Gordon. Why is that the most important? Because it's Flash fucking Gordon. Oh, it's also It also is representative of, in the Flash Gordon movie, Ming uses his ring to put Dale into a trance and so that she will leave with him. You know, and so that was kind of the reference I, they were using in this movie. I was going to give this movie a super high rating, but now since you brought that up and I didn't know that, but now that I do know that, you just knocked like two and a half fucks off of this film. So Scott Pilgrim thanks you for ruining that for me. Well, I guess then I'm having to give this movie a seven then. Because you can't unhear that shit. I can't unhear that now. No, I didn't catch that. So Sex but Mom, uh, they sign the contract and they bring on young Neil to take Scott's place because Scott quits. Uh, he tells Ramona that he doesn't care about any of her past or this, that, and the other, and that he's in lesbians with her. And Ramona, we don't know this at the time, but Ramona is uh, back with Gideon because she keeps telling Scott that there's just something about him that she can't resist. And we come to find out later that she he's fucking mind-controlling her, dick. Um, but she leaves, and Scott is heartbroken. During this time, we also do get one other brief moment where we get to see that Knives was also at the concert. So she's not out of the picture necessarily yet. No, she's lurking about. Yeah, uh, she's she a ninja. Yeah, she has it in her head that Ramona stole Scott and that she needs to pay. And Ramona's a fat ass. Yes, yes. And so Scott's at home and Wallace is like, maybe it's time to give up on her, move on. The three guys in bed with Wallace are like, yeah, it's time to move on. Was one of those Christopher from the beginning of the movie? Yeah, it's Stacy's boyfriend. And I love because she's, she's like, Wallace again? Yeah. So this isn't the first boyfriend he stole. Yes. And then Scott. Gideon calls. Yeah. And he just kind of eggs on Scott. And I love what Wallace says. He's always kind of Scott's voice or is, you know. Conscious kind of. Yeah. He says, forget what I said. Finish him. And we get the, the montage quick cuts of him getting to the chaos theater. Until, well, we get the montage of the quick cuts of him getting dressed, getting prepared for it. But then we get the shoes where he's tying his shoelaces. We got to stop. And then as soon as the shoes are tied, everything's back in motion again and the music's going and but we're cut to. Yeah. How the shoelace tying was super slow. Yeah. And it stopped and there's no music too. Right. right? It's just, it's just idle. what do you think of like when he got to uh, the chaos theater, the passwords? Oh, I, I mean, whatever. Uh, yeah. That's what's the first one. <laughs> I know. Password? 
whatever. Whatever. And then okay. uh, the, the second one was. Uh. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, he gets in and he confronts Gideon. He's up there on his throne. Yeah. With his pet. And he sees, uh, and Scott walks in. And Did that feel kind of Jabba with Slave Leia? The no. way that it was up there on that throne? No. I kind of got that impression. I didn't get that. Um, so you, you want? You, so you wanted to see Ramona in the Leia outfit? I will neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> I will quote Lucas Lee. Why wouldn't you? So Scott runs in. He sees that young Neil has replaced him. What do you think of the outfits? And I love the... The bow or whatever that's in Kim's head. Yeah, I, I totally thought that was really fit. good. And uh, Scott wants to fight Gideon. Well, I like how Gideon turns to Sex Bob-omb and says, play, play something or just start playing. And Kim's, you know, does her whole one, two, three. You know, we are Sex Bob-omb and we're here to sell out and make money. Or what was it? Yeah, something like uh, we're here to sell out and make money and stuff. And then uh, Gideon says, you want to fight me for her? And Scott says, yep. And then the power of love sword appears. And we think that, you know, Scott may have a fighting chance. But no, Gideon destroys that shit. And just as he's uh, going to finish Scott. Finish him off. Knives shows up. And she intervenes. And saves him. He, he, she really does. But she also reveals she's not there to fight Gideon or anything. She's there to fight Ramona. Right. And so her and Ramona start going at it. I like how she says, you know, you broke the heart of the guy who broke my heart. Yeah. And now you will pay. Yeah. And so she attacks Ramona and then Scott intervenes and he, he starts to come clean. He admits to cheating on knives with Ramona but Ramona's like, well, if you cheated on knives with me, then you cheated on me with knives. And she's like, what's the difference? And Scott's answer is, you weren't wronged. You know what I mean? So he's trying to justify it. Yeah. The point is, he cheated on both of them. You know, thus making Scott not a great guy ever since the beginning of the flick. Mm-hmm. This so, was supposed to be the point in the movie where Scott is not fighting for himself. He is fighting for what he thinks he needs to do for everyone else. Like, he, you know, the whole fact that he's fighting for love, he's fighting for Ramona, and that's what leads to his undoing. It's right. It's not because until he fights for himself that he has a fighting chance. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so as he's being distracted by Knives and Ramona. Here uh, comes Gideon. And kills him. He's dead. And now we're in the afterworld, and Ramona comes to visit. So lonely. Scott in the afterworld. And this is where we find out that uh, Gideon has the mind device on the uh, chip Ramona. on the back of her head. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right before he dies, I love that quick cut that we get of the look of startle. You know, when, when Scott is stabbed, the five faces. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I loved all of their faces right up there in, in, the, in my grill like that. Yeah. And so uh, Scott has a... He has an afterlife conversation with Ramona. Right. And then it turns out he has an extra life. Nice video game touch there. Scott uses his one-up to come back to life and re-enter the Chaos Theater. He makes peace with his friends and challenges Gideon again, this time for himself, gaining the power of self-respect sword. After apologizing to Ramona and Nice for cheating on them and accepting his own faults, Scott joins forces with Knives, and they defeat Gideon. Now free from his control, Ramona prepares to leave. Knives accepts that her relationship with Scott is over, 
And at her encouragement, he leaves with Ramona to try again. Roll credits. So yeah, Scott uses his one up and he comes back and we do that whole ending bit again, but a little bit faster with the montage. Which I'm sure you appreciated because oh, you, you hate when a movie slows down. Absolutely. It, it This movie keeps moving and moving and, and that's okay. I, I liked it. He just goes and he just slaughters everybody, the guards, the... Right, because I think Edgar Wright knows we as the audience want to get to what's going to be different about this time. And what it is, is Gideon says, you want to fight me for her? And Scott's like, no, I want to fight you for me. And that's when the self-respect sword comes out. But before all that, he... He makes amends with his friends, right? He says, you guys sound way better without me, young Neil. You will now be known as Neil. And then he looks right at Kim and says, I'm sorry. Yeah, and I really appreciate it. That's the one I think I really liked when he apologized to being such an ass to her. Yeah, well, this is the arc, right? This is him figuring out that he wasn't such a great guy, you know, but there's still time to change. And, mm-hmm. and I think that the, the theme for Scott Pilgrim is redemption. Mm-hmm. Right, because this is where he gains the self-respect sword, and this is where uh, he can defeat Gideon. And before Knives even jumps out, he stops everything and says, Knives, I know you're in here. Come out. I cheated on you both, and I'm really sorry. You know what I mean? Then Gideon comes back, and then this is where the... uh, Remember when they were playing the video game together? So it's kind of foreshadowing that we were going to get the whole... It wasn't... wasn't The ninja dancing and the... It wasn't kind of. It was. Yeah. So there you go. Um, But they do. They ultimately defeat Gideon and... uh, Two-player mode. Two-player mode. And then once that's done, there's one more. And it was at this point, I thought to myself... Oh, fuck, we got to do it again. But I was very happy with the outcome and how it turned out. I did like, uh, with the final fight with Gideon, uh, who it was that really did him in, which was Ramona, when she said, why don't we both be girls? (laughs) And she needs them in the balls. Yeah. Yeah. Because he thinks, you know, uh, you're still mine and you you belong to me, blah, blah, blah. And then we get some wonderful uh, smash cuts of Gideon getting his ass kicked. Yep. And then it's the it's a drop kick to the chin that ultimately does it, isn't it? Was it the when when he hit Ramona? Is that what really set knives and and uh, Scott onto him? Yeah, I think so because after he uh, after Ramona hits him, he hits Ramona, and that gave Scott and knives a chance to get back up. Because did you notice? And I'm sure you did that every time they got hit, they glowed red, mm-hmm. so they were losing power, like in a video game. Yeah, but ultimately, yes, in the end, Scott. Kicks him in the head and his head explodes. And he gets how many points? Seven billion. Seven billion coins. <laughs> uh, and then, like you were mentioning, one more fight is with Nega Scott. Basically, uh, which I like because, again, that was foreshadowed earlier on when Scott said he always had problem with that one boss, which was that boss. Yep. yep. Uh, and so I agree with you 100%. I loved that we didn't get a fight in that one. We just got the two of them coming out of a shed or coming out of the club, basically saying, uh, yeah, let's get together next week. I I think that's great. Let's get some bacon and or what did he say? We're going to do brunch sometime next week. You know, he's a really great guy. And just that whole, just that whole interaction. Yeah. I guess again, going with the symbolism in this movie, that was supposed to be a symbolization of, uh, Scott making peace with himself. 
Yeah, I got that right away. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, all of these themes that go throughout the film, maybe not on the first round, but definitely from the second until when I watched it last night, I pick up on all of them. And I think it just makes me like the movie more and more. The whole entire movie was basically supposed to be, you know, an allegory or symbolism of how each one of us might have problems with our, you know, our, our significant others past and their relationships you know, the baggage that those people bring along to the relationship. And so that the whole movie was about Scott dealing with Ramona's baggage. Sure. I buy that. So now uh, they've defeated everybody and Scott has actually earned the right to date Ramona, but Ramona leaves because that's what she does. And And she wants to start over again fresh. Right. And I think it's this bit with knives that I really appreciate her resilience and uh, the character that she is because she looks at Scott and she realizes he doesn't want to be with me. He wants to be with her and that's fine because I love the reason she gives him. I'm way too cool for you anyway. And you know what? Fucking a she is. Mm -hmm. So she's going to be just fine. That knives Scott goes over to Ramona. They go through the door. Hey, mind if I tag along? We get the continue that we got earlier from the video game, and then we get the song, and then that's it. I guess uh, that's not how the movie originally ended. That's not how they showed it to the test audiences. The original ending of the movie was Scott was going to get back together with Knives, and Ramona was going to go off on her own. But the test audiences hated it, so that's why they refilmed it with the ending that you like. Well, would would you have liked it better with him and Knives? No, I like I agree with you a hundred percent, especially from the line of Knives saying, "I'm too cool for you." Yeah, 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 yeah. Which just really showed me the growth of that character. Absolutely, and I remember watching it like for the second time or whatever. I forgot that he picks Ramona, and I remember thinking, "Oh fuck, does he pick Knives?" Because that seems kind of like a disappointment. It kind of makes this whole movie not for nothing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But he ends up with Ramona, and I thought that was the right call. Well, I also appreciated Ramona letting him know that that he was the nicest guy that she is that she had ever dated. Yeah, I guess uh, Brian, it was O'Malley that wrote this. uh, He liked the ending of the movie so much that's what he ended up putting in the graphic novel. Well, that's awesome because that's an awesome ending. So in the end, I really got to say that was quite the epic journey that Scott Pilgrim goes on in this movie. Speaking of epic journeys. Oh, fucking professor. And now it's time for John's. Moment. It's at this point in our podcast where I take whatever movie we are currently reviewing and compare it to the greatest movie series ever made. At the heart of both Scott Pilgrim and Lord of the Rings is a hero on a quest for something he desires above all else. For Scott Pilgrim, our Frodo, that something is love. Throughout the series, he fights to win the heart of his crush, Ramona Flowers, taking on her seven evil exes in the process. Just like Frodo Baggins is tasked with destroying the One Ring. But his journey is also motivated by a desire for friendship and loyalty, particularly Samwise Gamgee. Both heroes must face their fears and overcome seemingly insurmountable obstacles to achieve their goals. 
Sam in this movie, in my opinion, is portrayed by knives. While she wasn't always with Scott, especially after the breakup, she supported him and was there when he needed backup. Gandalf, well, I believe that is Scott's roommate, Wallace Wells. While he comes off a bit snarky, he's constantly offering Scott advice and wisdom and sending him off in particular directions, like breaking up with knives. And we see an example of his magical powers when he turns Stacy's boyfriend at the club again. Mary and Pippin are represented by Stephen Stills and young Neil. Noticeably absent, Kim Pines. Her gruff and sarcastic nature reminded me more of a Gimli. So that makes Scott, Knives, Wallace, Stephen, young Neil, and Kim the Fellowship. The goal of the evil exes was to end Scott's journey with Ramona. That would make the evil exes our ringwraiths. Now, every great adventure needs a great villain. And both Scott Pilgrim and Lord of the Rings delivers in this regard. Gideon Graves, Ramona's final ex and CEO of the powerful record label, is a ruthless antagonist who will do anything to control Ramona's life. That makes Gideon our Sauron. Like Sauron, his goal is to enslave people, like he does with Ramona and the band when he has them under contract. At the core of both Scott Pilgrim and Lord of the Rings are stories about heroes on a journey of self-discovery. Scott and Frodo both start out as ordinary individuals who are thrust into extraordinary circumstances, and they must learn to overcome their weaknesses and embrace their strengths to succeed. Along the way, they encounter friends and enemies, face their fears, and ultimately emerge as changed individuals. So what is the precious, the one ring? In Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, there is one element that has set everything in motion. There is one thing that our Sauron and our ring wraiths seek out. That one thing is Ramona herself. Ramona even admits she has a corrupting effect on every person she has dated, which is why she ran away from her old life. She begins Scott's journey of self-reflection. It's when Scott destroys Gideon's control over her by helping her see who he really is that the ring's negative effect is finally destroyed. And there you have it, my comparison between Scott Pilgrim and Lord of the Rings. Bring on the grades. I think that the the fellowship comparison is I don't I don't want to keep saying it's a no brainer, but uh, the the I think that the fellowship comparison was good. I I thought was Wallace really a Gandalf or was he Sam? But the more and more you talked it out, I'm like, oh yeah, he, he he's more of a Gandalf. Uh, the only thing I think, and and this one was kind of tough, but the ring was always evil. There is no good within that ring. Correct? Is that a fair statement for Lord of the Rings? I, I would agree, but again, I was saying more Ramona is the corrupting fat factor. Right, no, 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 I get that, I get that. I agree with your comparison with the ring and Ramona, even though it's not exact, but the spirit is there, and I think that's what that's what I'm looking for when you do these things, is the spirit of it. So, well done, B-. minus. I thought that the, uh, the Gandalf works well i also appreciated having knives be sam i thought that was a sort of a no-brainer as well i don't know if i am as strong with 
Kim being Gimli, but I appreciate it because of their gruff natures and what they're saying. But I think what really drives it home is uh, the ring comparison that you give Ramona to be. And because of that, I'm going to give this a B plus. Wow, that's one of my highest from the professor. And that was John's. Moment. I do want to thank you for cutting me off before I said anything for him to lower my grade. There you go. Or if not, I would lower your grade. So, all right. What do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this flick? I'm ready to rate this flick. John, you ready to rate this flick? I'm ready to continue in nine, eight, seven. Professor, how do we do our ratings? We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. That is something where somebody says, you want to watch that? Fuck yeah, I do. A one fuck movie is a movie where you watch it and it's sort of a one and done and you're afterwards thinking, what the fuck was that? And what's a zero? A zero fuck movie is where you get done watching it and you're thinking to yourself, for shit's sake, what the hell was that? Why would you make me watch that? I want one hour and 52 minutes of my life back. Or in other words, we just don't give a fuck. All right. uh, Who wants to go first? All right, Professor, go ahead. Oh, I've just been voluntold. Lovely. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. It's been a little while since I've seen the movie, and it is every bit as enjoyable as I remembered it to be last time around. It's almost frenetic energy, the fast pace of the story It is a lot to take in. I enjoy all of the visual uh, enhancements that are given throughout the movie with uh, the the spirit of the moment that's being conveyed, whether it's the rock and roll music or uh, somebody going very fast and you see the, the horizontal lines moving left to right. Or you have the, uh, the addition of, you know, words or letters that uh, permeate the screen for just a moment. These, these little colorful pops like this make it a unique and fun watch to get you into the essence or the spirit of the moment. And I get, feel like it gives it some really good energy to it. The characters are very likable. Uh, I think that Scott Pilgrim is done very, very well from Michael Sarah. I also really enjoyed, as we've been stating throughout, uh, Ellen Wong, you know, Knives, the character of Knives. I, I, I loved her. And I also really, really dug uh, Allison playing Kim. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but I, I, just like, I just like that angsty attitude of her. And, and I just love how she, she just yells so passionately, you know, when she starts the band. And I think that it's, uh, it's something that I always look forward. How is she going to start the song this time around? I have to say, you know, moving through all those different X's, it was really difficult to uh, not find myself thinking, all right, we got another one done. Good job. Granted, most of the times the fights didn't take that long, but it just felt satisfying. Okay, I got one more X done. Let's move on. And other than that, you know, I think that the music is really fun and it's a good watch. And I really, really dig what Edgar Wright does. But overall, watching the movie, I I still came away thinking, all right, yeah, it's pretty good. So I'm giving this movie 3.75 fucks. 3.75 fucks from the professor. You or me there, Sugar Pop. I'll let you make the choice. All right, I'll go next. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I am a big fan of Edgar Wright. I am a big fan of this movie uh, from the first time that I saw it to the last time that I saw it. I enjoy it every single time that I watch it. 
I love the dialogue. I love the witty banter. I love the soundtrack. I love the effects. I love the fact that it takes a left turn and becomes a video game, but yet it just fits with everything that's happening on screen. I even don't mind, or I even like the fact that Michael Sarah is a full-on black belt, and we would have never guessed that from his character. But when he goes into video game mode, he becomes a different Scott Pilgrim, more confident. And I just, I really dug it from beginning to end. The supporting cast is fantastic. Ramona Flowers was absolutely brilliant. The The transitions were seamless. It moved us along very nicely. I think at an hour and 52 minutes, it does come in just a hair fat and... Outside of that, I could sit down and watch this movie anytime. I love picking up on the things that I missed in previous viewings. And just the whole movie is so much fun. I appreciate the fact that it's a redemption story. All in all, this isn't a perfect film. But to me, and in my humble opinion, it's pretty fucking close. And so for those reasons, I'm giving Scott Pilgrim versus the world 4.5 fucks. I was off by 2.5. I was guessing 4.25. Oh, you thought I'd give a 4.25? Yeah. But with that in mind, being a little bit off, what do you think John's going to give the movie? You know, Professor, you pose a very interesting question. And You're on a streak, too. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I would have said... Earlier, before we started recording, I would have said that John would have given this a five, right? Because it seems like his type of movie and something that he really enjoys, which he does. And that's a true statement. However, I don't think he's going to go as high as five. I think he's going to come in the same as me. 4.5 fucks. Yes, my final answer. Okay, then. Scott Pilgrim versus the world is a love letter to all nerds, gamers, manga fans, and everyone else who just likes a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. From its video game-inspired visuals, use of indie music, to countless geeky references, this movie just connects with its fans. The cast of this movie really stands out. Each one, including the seven deadly exes, takes their emotions and quirks to the extreme. I've never really been a big fan of Michael Cera, but he did a good job in this role and he seemed to really fit. He was able to show a lovable yet awkward side of this character. He portrayed Scott as vulnerable, imperfect, yet able to kick butt when he needed to. And I have no complaints about any of the other cast members. Each one stands out and is memorable. One of the most unique aspects of this movie is its ability to bring a video game feel to life. What feels like it shouldn't work, combining the visual effects and animation did work, and it fits right into the story while not being too distracting. It also captured a comic book feel that complemented its origins. The message in Scott Pilgrim was also meant not to be too overly heavy. It was a love story combined with self-growth. Unlike some movies, it wasn't pushed so hard that it killed the, com the comedic elements. In fact, its quirkiness of our main characters on their journey and growth of self-learning is what added to the comedy. 
Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is a movie that offers something for everyone. It's a blend of humor, heart, and geeky references. And that's what made it a cult classic. Whether you're a diehard fan of the graphic novels, or you're simply looking for a fun, offbeat comedy to watch, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is a movie that you'll be referencing for a long time after it ends. Is it the greatest movie ever made? No. But it's a fun ride that I could rewatch anytime and still have a good time. So for those reasons, I'm giving Scott Pilgrim vs. the World 4.75 fucks. Oh, I was close. All right, with 4.75 fucks from the comic book guy, four and a half fucks from me, and 3.75 fucks from the professor, that gives Scott Pilgrim an average of 4.3 fucks, which now puts it into the seventh spot, tied with Shang-Chi, The Crow, The Road Warrior, The Matrix, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and Hot Fuzz. It's slightly better than... Hunt for the Wilder People, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Saving Private Ryan, and slightly worse than Ocean's Eleven, Snatch, and John Wick 3, Chapter 3, Parabellum. So there you have it. Not too bad, right? Yeah, it's a good it's a good watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh favorite battle out of all seven X's. I've been thinking about that all evening. And I think that I'm probably gonna go with Todd. That was number three, listeners, by the way. Yes. I liked Roxy, the Roxy Richter fight. That was number four. Number four. Uh, I am going to go with, it's a tie between Todd and Lucas Lee. So besides Scott Pilgrim, who which character did you enjoy the most? I'm going to go with Wallace and Knives. I got to say, probably Knives. Wallace is really close, but you're right. You talked me into earlier... Knives' character and her development and the way that they end with her, I really appreciated. Yeah. I think I, I'm, I'm a Knives person as well. But Wallace, yeah, strong second. Question I got for you guys, and it's something that I think we talked about uh, last week a little bit. Is there one of the seven X's that you can identify with? Wow. Uh, this, the seven X's that I can identify with? Not me. I don't know. Who would you identify with? You know... Sadly, I think I have to go with Matthew Patel because I was kind of an outsider in high school and wasn't a jock and kind of just didn't get along with the jocks and probably dressed a little funny. Probably? Well, I did have a leather jacket that I pushed up the sleeves and lifted the collar, so yeah. You mean the one you're wearing right now? Yeah. Listeners, if you could only see this. Uh, I would have to probably say if I was to pick one of the X's that I identified with, well, you can't, I, I wouldn't really identify with the twins. I'm not a girl, so I wouldn't identify with the Roxy. Can I pick for you? Are you going to say Lucas Lee? I am going to say Lucas Lee because of the attitude. You would give the snarky responses and the, (laughs) oh, you, oh, you didn't know about the X's. Oh shit. It's okay, man. Here, buddy. Socks him. So, which one do you identify with, Professor? None of none he doesn't of them. Send none any of them. He he's the nice guy. Yeah. Apparently, I'm the asshole. All right. So that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. If you want to know which movie we are going to be reviewing next, please check out the website. Hey, speaking of which, John, where can they find us? Well, they can always find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com, where we post our show notes. We post blog articles now we also post a teaser for upcoming episodes and all of our podcasts are available there 
You can also find us at any of these social media sites, as well as anywhere that hosts podcasts. All right. I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for listening. Keep on listening. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Jill. And I want to thank anyone else who listens and who has requested a film. You keep listening. We'll keep recording. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening, or whatever. All right, so I come in soft, and then you guys come in hard. (laughs) Quit making eye contact with me, John. The Brie Larson version of Black Sheep is better than the original by the other band because it's not as good as the Brie Larson's version. Uh, In this podcast, we will refer to her as Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel's version of Black Sheep is better than the original because it's a hundred times better. And that's why, because it's a hundred times better. Yep, you're welcome. You're just the gas dad now, huh? Yep. Apparently comes in, gets a credit card, and leaves. That's the lot of my life. Scott Pilgrim. God damn it. You wait just long enough for me to think that it's okay Okay. to go. Passwords and this whatnot. He just walks up and just destroys everybody. Well, I think that goes right into paragraph four. It is. Oh, see, I was going to go right to the end of the fucking movie. Yeah. Or similarly, similarly, can't say Similar. Fuck, I can't even say it. Similarly. Similarly. No. The seven boyfriends going through that. It felt a a little long, you know, moving through all those different boyfriends. Exes. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I got to go with Kim. I'm a Kim guy. I loved her little freckles, too. Now it's just getting weird. (laughs) All right. What's your porn name? So I went easy on this one. Scott Pilgrim fucks the world. That's not bad. That's not bad. Easy, kind of like a staring you right in the face. Yeah. Uh, do you have one? No. <laughs> <laughs> Professor, you have a wonderful trip to Hawaii. May the sun beam down on your luscious body and you get nice and tan. So do you think Professor is a Speedo type of guy? Oh, I fucking hope so. Hot, yeah. hot pink, uh, neon blue. You know, atomic green. It don't matter the color. He is definitely a Speedo guy. And if he's not, I'm very disappointed. I am not going to be able to get that picture out of my head now. Good. I hope it stays there all week. All right, fuck off. Good night.